Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Budiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into a very fascinating conversation about the world of uh, technology. Uh, we are joined by the team from Workday. Uh, Workday is a company that specializes in uh, software solutions for businesses, uh, particularly around uh, the world of human capital as well as, uh, you know, finance so for today we're going to be chatting uh, we are in conversation with fred uh, nalando who is uh, the senior vice president for north uh, europe and uh, emerging markets as well as uh, pierre Husset, who is uh, vice president for um, you know pre-sales in the uh, europe middle east and uh, africa region as well as uh, kiv moodley who is um, no stranger to the platform he is uh, the country manager for South Africa over at Workday. Let's hear what they have to say just around uh, Workday strategy for the uh, for the region uh, that is uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. But more importantly, uh, South Africa as a country. What is it that the that the company is looking to do? Um, how are they looking to implement it? Where do they stand when it comes to issues such as um, artificial intelligence? Uh, what is their strategy in terms of increasing? Visibility and taking up market share. So we are in Johannesburg. We are, you know, talking about Workday as a company. It's a it's a company that's not new to the platform. Um, you know, we've had your country manager, you know, on the platform before. But one of the things that I'm interested in is what are the from what you can see right at the moment, what are the big areas that Workday is big in, you know, in this region, right? Because in places like the U.S., there's an education for the education, I think the public sector, um, you know, those tend to be, you know, big customers of Workday. But in this particular region, I'm going, I think that's a good place for us to start just around, um, you know, who... Have you guys, you know, found yourselves, um, you know, um, working within this region? So, which is um, <laughs> which is Kev's uh, home ground here. But um, I, I think um, from two angles. One, maybe for you looking at more the industry type we are entering. Um, one thing we've seen is a great success in the financial sector. Uh, which I say it's it's globally uh, very very strong for us. Probably the largest um, industry for us in on, on a global scale. Uh, in South Africa, we also see a good uptake into retail. Uh, I think manufacturing um, coming up as well. Uh, we are not actively in public sector. Uh, having said that, though, we we are looking in the future to see how, when, and where we we are uh, entering public sector. Uh, outside of the North America continent. And for those that, uh, you know, don't know Workday, uh, my summary tends to be that it's, it's an, it's an ERP, but, you know, uh, sp- with specific focus around the human capital aspect. Is that, uh, is that an accurate description? Um, we are not an ERP. <laughs> no, we tend to define ourselves uh, as a platform. Uh, which provides business solutions in domains like uh, uh, financial management, human capital management, ethics and planning, 
and now other things for extensibility, but this is how we define ourselves. Uh, we announced in our Q3 earnings call that we, for the first time in our history, we've hit the 5,000 mark when it comes to the number of work the HCM customer. But keep in mind that we also announced that uh, in, the, in the financial space, we now have more 775 financial management, uh, fi financial customer, okay? And uh, I'm saying that because when I joined Workday back in 2018, and in this room, you have the 2018 generation because we all joined Workday the same year. <laughs> uh, we had, uh, when I joined, we were at uh, 479 financials customers. Yeah. So uh, think about the growth. So uh, just to tell you that uh, now we've become a platform business. Uh, we have uh, companies here in South Africa uh, using Workday Financial Management, mm -hmm. we are not a headquarter here, but they have subs here who use uh, financial management solutions. So it's uh, think of it more like a platform now, because uh, yes, we are very well known for being the leader in the HCM space, which we still are. Uh, and the, the numbers I just shared tell, tell, they tell the same story over and over again, but we are now well known in many other spaces. And, uh, and this is very important, yeah. And maybe to add a little bit both from a global and how we how we can uh, drive an impact in South Africa. So on a global scale, we got more than fifty percent of the Fortune five hundred uh, on, the, on the on the large customer side. Um, if you're looking to Europe, most of the markets, uh, I'd say we sit between twenty five to up to 60 percent of the of the um, sort of the, the the large list. We talk about FTSE. 100, for example, we got about 40% on that one. Uh, in the Amsterdam Stock Exchange, we got about 50 plus, 55, I think. Nordic markets were between 30 to 50% of sort of the large list in almost all markets. And um, on the global side, we have quite a lot of large organizations that operate in many countries. And I believe in South Africa, we would have probably more than 500 uh, that would be here. And um, some organizations have actually quite a large presence. Uh, I probably want to call out organizations, but like within the United Nations, we work with quite a few, UNHCR, World Food Program, World Health Organization, um, and uh, working very, very close with them on a, on, on a global arena, which includes all the products that, and, and portfolios that, that Pierre was mentioning. Um, maybe I can just call out UNHCR because we recently had a... Um, uh, um, a presentation with them at, at our big conference. They are also running our, our payroll solution globally. Yeah. 136 countries with payroll, with the HR, uh, for World Health, we're working with them with that, plus also the finance, finance um, uh, platform. So, um, One of the key things that people tend to want to know about platforms is what's driving a platform's growth, right? Because in a lot of instances, if you can make if you can make something faster, cheaper, you know, or optimize uh, optimize efficiencies within a workflow, usually that's the formula that people use, you know, to say, okay, fine, this is a platform that can help us. But usually beyond that, because you tend to have, especially from a software as a service point of view, there tend to be a number of different players that are all promising faster, cheaper, more efficient, you know, all of that. But from a workday point of view, what's, what has what has driven the growth? Um, yeah, I think yeah. Let me let me ask that. I'll ask, I'll pose it to both of you. Talking about the platform, so yes, we've built our success based on uh, 
what we call core HCMA core financials. Uh, but back to your the question on the platform, what defines a platform today for any company, especially in the domain where we operate, is uh, first of all the ability to ingest, manage, and store the data they need to operate their HR and their finance function. And we've seen in the last decades that uh, now that everything is interconnected in this business, in everything in HR is interconnected, everything in finance is interconnected. If you are a CFO, you are interested not only to manage your, your accounting, but also to combine this accounting data with the operational data from your business, from the stores if you are a retailer, from the shop floor if you are a manufacturer. So it's really what's at the core of the idea of platform today. It's really the, the platform, the hub, that uh, a CFO, a CHO is going to use to run their business, identify the skills they are going to need in the future, uh, the, the opportunities for improved efficiency, efficiency gains in finance, etc. It's at the core. And because everything is interconnected. The second is more how do you, a platform will enable a company, will enable organizational agility in a company. That's, you know, if back to your comment, doing cheaper, uh, doing it cheaper, faster, etc. It comes back to the idea of uh, time to market. Uh, if I uh, expand in a new business, a new geo, if I create a new product, if I uh, uh, divest, etc., will that platform be the enabler of that? You know, uh, is it going to help me accelerate my business? Is it going to help me manage it quickly and efficiently at a cost that is affordable for the rest of the organization? That is the tooling that uh, the company are asking for. Really, the organizational agility topic is still important. Data provide insights to uh, generate actions. Actions need to be taken through an agile platform. And this is what we do today. And what's at the core of this is uh, basically something that is very basic, is the ability to deploy to, to deploy and redeploy and manage effectively two different things, your, fi your finance and your people and money. And, uh, and that's where we see the future of where we want to be an alternative to this old concept of uh, an EOP that we think that uh, if you have this, uh, you know, your people and money housed in the same system through data hub, that makes it possible for an, an organization to support change, not like a destination, but something that is continuous. This will help an organization to be more efficient, more agile, and support its business strategy quicker. And that's, that's what is worked there at the end. That's a good point. I think maybe I'll take a, a slightly different angle because you presented very well the, the platform and the technology side. I think why has worked? They've been successful. Why we are one of the largest today? I think it comes down to our core values, our value system. I think that's the reason I joined Workday. I think that's why most of us join Workday. That's why I would do business with Workday, looking at those and why I would partner with Workday. So this, we have six core values that I think we, we, we live and breathe and, and um, that guides us every day. The first one being our, our people. We believe that if we take care of our people very well, they will take care of our customers. And the other one is customer success. I have never seen a custom a company that is so relentlessly focused on customer success and in driving sure that making sure that our customers is 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 the most um, um, uh, how can I say appreciated part of of the whole system. We got a, a customer satisfaction rating since we started measuring on ninety five percent plus. It's the highest. Um, the third one is innovation. Uh, we put a lot of our um, uh, turnover, more than 30% of our turnover every year goes back into innovation to make sure that we are we are leading from the front and a lot what, what Pierre was talking about. Um, fourth one is integrity. I think... Uh, sorry, 
um, the that percentage that you just uh, said, you said 30, 35 percent, 30, 30 percent. Um, that's that's an R and D. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, that's that's true. I I, I was conservative in the thirty percent plus, but <laughs> but it's it's the the way that you see we are in the f in in the forefront, and it comes from the core of our company. We were the first one really in in the HR and finance space to to build a, um, a financial HR into the cloud. Uh, with the architecture we have, we talk a lot about machine learning, artificial intelligence. I'm sure we will touch base on it later. But we, for more than a decade, has been building in uh, uh, AI and machine learning into the core of our platform. So it's not a new thing for us, which is also a testament to our, our innovation strategy. But I was on the fourth one, which is as important as everyone else, especially when we mention now AI and machine learning, which is integrity, how to operate with full integrity in everything we do, uh, and also do that upfront with our customers. I think that's a lot what's going to lead to high customer satisfaction as well to make sure we're setting the right expectation we're operating around them uh, the fifth one is profitability uh, we want to be here for the long run so we want to make sure that we're we're having a, a sensible way of running business and then the sixth one which is uh, fun uh, and today is going to be our christmas party so if you want to see how work day is to be fun you you should come and uh, sing some karaoke with us tonight <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you want to see work they found, I think that's a that's a fantastic way. So, but I think back to uh, these six core values. I think is the value system, as we call it. Is I think is the is the reason why we are so successful in 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 uh, uh, growing our company, attracting people, uh, uh, making sure that we're having we're carrying that one on. Whether we do uh, with a customer or a partner, we, we want to make sure that that's that's sitting in the core and bottom. And I think to, to Fred's point, we, we often hear from the South African customers we speak to, because obviously you, you, you will know who we compete with, is that based on our core values, that's what differentiates us. Yeah. So we, we are, I often get feedback that our team comes across as being different, fundamentally different, based on the approach we take, uh, the guidance we provide, the counsel we provide, and also the element of fun, yeah. you know, um, so which is also good to hear because, uh, yes, our technology is really differentiated, but we do feel that based on the people we have in our organization, that's, that makes us more competitive as well. One of the things I'm quite keen on is visibility, right? Because mm. uh, one of the reason why we're talking is, you know, the fact that um, Workday is seeing, you know, South Africa in this region as, you know, as a growth area. Yes. And, uh, you know, I like the fact that, you know, you're bringing in the engagements with the customers. So for me, it's also as part of the growth story for me is, how do how how you do you guys think about visibility or what's your view of Workday's visibility? I understood that Workday was big when I saw the Workday logo on a couple of Formula One cars. <laughs> yeah, that's an, <laughs> you know, for for myself that was a gauge when I said, okay, you know, these guys are okay. Fine. Which, which team do you support? So maybe I understand. No, no. Personally, I'm I'm a Red Bull person. Okay. I'm just gonna. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 we're like, no, but that's, it, it, it is a good point. Um, visibility is, is, and, and branding is important so we can attract the, the right talents to come and join us. Uh, also making sure that we, we, we are, um, seen as, um, uh, how can I see, um, one of the, the, the large players that the large companies and small companies wants to do business with. So we are working on visibility. Interesting. We had our earnings, uh, release last week. 
uh, a number of times and also in previous earnings releases, we've been reiterating the focus of international growth. Uh, EMEA was called out a number of times in the um, in, in, in the earnings uh, report and, and the conference as well as a growth engine. Uh, the fact that I'm sitting here now with my new role and, and it's defined as Northern Europe and emerging markets is a sign that we are significantly investing into, into the growth in the market. So, And if you think about the industry we serve here in this market, like uh, tech or telecommunications, like uh, professional services, like financial services, like retail, these are the industry we, we invest in globally, but it works both ways. We, we invest in those industries because we know that these industries are, are super important here. And, uh, and of course, visibility, uh, it comes also with success. We don't want to create visibility if it's, uh, if it's not backed up by successful projects. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I think that the core of our value is that we, we, we place our pride not in selling or you know, promoting work as a company, but in, in, uh, in driving customer satisfaction, because with satisfaction comes more adoption, yeah. comes more visibility. Uh, the Workday community is probably our most powerful asset. Uh, uh, customers talking to each other. If you were at uh, Rising, our annual conference uh, in Barcelona months ago, uh, I think what makes us unique is that this ability that our prospects have to talk directly to customers, uh, you know, in a one-to-one -one conversation, to share the experience, customers-to-customers -customers conversation. That's how we create visibility too. That's how you create also an yeah. ecosystem around you that sees work there as the, the platform of the future. Yeah. Your sense on the local front when it comes to Workday's visibility? Yeah, so it's, it's been, uh, so next year, February, will be six years in the country. Yeah. And I think in the last 12 months, when we, you know, just after Vijayan joined the team a while back, uh, in terms of maybe brand and marketing awareness and Fiki's help as well, uh, we've probably in the last 12 months had more exposure than ever before. Uh, in particular, you know, we've got a billboard on Woodmead, which we change on a regular basis based on different brands and themes. Uh, also, we look at uh, different streams in terms of the C-suite. So the CIO, Office of the CIO, Office of the CFO, and Office of the CHRO. Yeah. So we have different uh, partnerships with different bodies as we look at those streams. Yeah. Um, and then also the Chartered Accountant Institute of South Africa, the SICA, uh, events as well, we participate in that. Uh, Future of Leadership Summit this year, we, we sponsor it the first time. So we're seeing, a, we're seeing a very interesting trend because we are being asked to speak at more leadership events on how to build future leaders. Yeah. And that's a really interesting take to your point because we didn't have this before. So the market is kind of telling us that they're seeing Workday being aligned to good leadership and our companies can be more profitable and competitive. So that's a really good angle. Uh, and I think to Pierre's point, the, the customer advocacy is for us is key. So we've gone from having prospects to becoming customers and then from customers to becoming fans. And we're now making the tr transition from those fans to become family. Yeah. Where it's, I get calls on weekends to, for somebody to tell me on how workdays enable them to achieve something which we did not know. Yeah. And we opened that dialogue. Uh, and then again, so much so that we spoke about this as a team a few days ago that we have some companies, for example, that might be looking to procure Workday, uh, but for some reason um, it, it doesn't end up happening based on budget or timing, but we still have developed ambassadors in those execs loving the brand based on who we are. Uh, and then they tend to leave and go to another company and wanting Workday to come in. So in the last 12 months, we've, we've definitely seen things uh, being amplified tremendously compared to the previous years of our 
established growth in the country. Maybe as a follow-up, because you mentioned the fact that there's that uh, strategy of, you know, you either go for the CIO, the CFO, the, the, the human resource, um, you know, person. I think the last time that we engaged with you, you know, it was with someone who's, uh, yes. you know, from, uh, uh, from an HR perspective. Yes. Um, and I find that interesting because when we talk about technology companies, we often talk about a shift of who's driving technology investment and technology investment decisions, you know, whereas back in the day, IT and anything related was sort of seen as a grudge purchase. It's seeming a little bit more, you know, strategic now, right? So from what you guys are seeing, right, who's the main decision maker? Who gives the final word to say, we need Workday? you know, to be in the company. Is it possible for an HR, for a head of HR to actually bring something in or does it also need, some people talk about consensus building, you know, to say, let's let's get, you know, all three of them on board, the CIO, the, 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 H, the HR and the head of finance, you know, all together and say, you know, we can, you know, approach it from a holistic as opposed to siloed sense. There is not a unified way of that everyone works in, but what I see more and more is the co-drive between either the CHRO and the CIO or the CIO and the CFO or the three of them. But the, uh, the most common, and I see it's growing more, is that we're having that strategic conversation with both the CIO then to make sure that the platform, because the platform is starting to be quite wide. We talk about HR, we talk about finance, we talk about planning, we talk about uh, BI and an analysis on top of it. It's becoming a very core part of the CIO's portfolio, as well as driving the business outcome them together with the CFO and the CHRO. So I, I wouldn't dare to put a percentage, but more and more, and in the majority of the cases, it's a co-decision where the CIO and the, and the business owner is, is involved. And I'd say also we have much more interaction with CEO now than I saw a few years ago. Uh, it's becoming a more strategic conversation uh, in these platforms. I think especially now we're talking um, skills development. Skills is becoming one of the, the most important things for how you're driving the strategy and the, and the growth of the company. Uh, and then it's, it's a... It's a C-level, if not a board-level conversation. It's, a, it, it, it's to Fred's point, we, we've actually interacted with more CEOs uh, probably in the last two years than, than before. Because, you know, the people agenda is important, but I think to your perspective, the, you, you can't afford to have the stovepipe mentality where it's an HR thing, uh, because skills is now the number one priority for CFOs. So it kind of shows you the shift in terms of nature of the thinking. But for, for Workday to be successful... Um, and I can't remember if it was Deloitte or one of those organizations or McKinsey that coined it, but it's that symphonic C-suite coming together. Yes. So when you have a C-suite that believes in terms of why they need to do it, what's the intent, and the value that can be achieved, uh, then you already have the, the landmark to have a successful project, being it worked or not, because you're going to get the right executive sponsorship, you're going to ensure you have the right project management, uh, change management is there, and the biggest thing is governance. Because I can't work in isolation, so so we feel that uh, the the greater the sponsorship from a multitude of, of execs that come together and believe in a project, whether it's worked or not, that will lead to success. Okay, cool. So let's talk about plans for South Africa. I think we've we've now laid a nice you know foundation about uh, where Workday has come from, you know where it's been, 
with the conversations, uh, you know, happening with the evolution when it comes to your plans for, I guess, this country and also um, the wider regions, you know, uh, yeah. maybe we could, you know, start with yourself. Just, yeah. you know, what are you seeing and where do you want to see uh, this business moving into? Well, uh, probably starting with, I think this is one of the best growth engines we can see. Yeah. We're starting from a great foundation. We have a great customer base today. We have a very good product. We have a good product fit uh, and, and we see a great uptake for overall cloud uh, in, in South Africa. Uh, so that's that's one we are continuing to invest here from, from the Workday side. Uh, we also expect to grow our ecosystem, so our partners, whether it's deployment partner or advisory partner uh, significantly. If I can put an expectation out, I'd probably say I'd like to see it at least double in the next 18 to 24 months. So that's an indication for uh, growth expectation we see in, in, in the market and to serve the existing customers as well. Um, I think we also need to look more into how can we feed the whole ecosystem from more angles than we had in the past. Uh, in the past, most of the people coming in either came because the company they were working for were buying Workday or they were working for uh, a system integrator who was certified to deploy Workday. Uh, I'm much more interested in to see how I can also attract Workday as a career for people coming out of university or people even uh, in the IT industry that are going unemployed and looking for a future career. Um, so different ways and avenues of how we can build that ecosystem in South Africa as a growth. Mm. Your sense on that one? My sense is that uh, what we see in the market and referring to the industries we are talking about here is that there are certain industry trends as well that... Uh, you know, promotes Workday as, you know, an alternative. First, uh, if you think about uh, financial services, retail and tech, the future is with, with skills in those organizations. So uh, the ability for them to recruit, high for skills, it's really what drives also, also the conversation. And it's combined also with uh, another more operational stuff that is uh, the management of your workforce in general, how to manage a hybrid workforce in this world, how to optimize the utilization of your resources, typically in retail, typically how you can optimize uh, just to a personal experience. 10 or 15 years ago in retail, profitability, this smaller margin like grocery chain, etc. It was all about this concept of on-shelf availability, making sure that you have everything available on-shelf. Now, what, how they drive profitability, how to, you can generate this incremental 1% or 2% of margin is really about making sure that uh, uh, the store is staffed at the right time with the right people, with the right skill, that these people are, are getting trained to sell the latest, the greatest to the end customers. And it comes back to HR, the world of HR. So it drives growth for us. It drives interest. Similarly, we see that in, in financial management, in the era of ERP, we see a cycle that is coming our way where at some point these old ERPs that are costly to maintain, unable to support change, etc., are going to be replaced. And uh, we know the trauma that has been for many companies to implement this old software. Uh, it's hard for them to justify the cost of another upgrade, another lengthy or technical project. And they see work there as, okay, an alternative. So it's where, from my organization, uh, we see really a, a, an opportunity for us to, uh, to drive the growth and to support these conversations on how, how can we help you being more agile, how can you leverage data, operational data, in a platform like Workday to be to be more agile, so we we see clearly the the growth. 
uh, there will be, I think, in the future other other motions for us, like uh, we start to say with planning. Typically, planning being uh, an important topic. Or uh, we have already a couple of uh, customers, twenty uh, uh, that are using our, our, our platform to evaluate some place sentiment data, uh, etc. So there are different routes to transformation. You need to meet the the organizations where they are, but in the all of these industries we are addressing, we see that kind of trend everywhere that drives for us to grow. All right. Maybe that allows us to, to get a, a little bit of a segue because obviously right now in technology, the biggest thing is AI. Okay. Um, everyone and their cat believes that they should be, you know, investing in AI or have some type of, uh, you know, routing in artificial intelligence. And I do know um, that, uh, you know, Workday has been investing, you know, in this particular area. My question is just around, um, for platforms, you know, that are serving corporates, that are serving enterprises, organizations, governments, um, what does AI do to the conversation? Does it change anything? Does it, um, make us deliver, you know, faster, better, cheaper, you know, um, because like you said, you know, just now there is, you know, that tension of where do these platforms and ERPs go, right? So my question is just around, um, in a moment of, you know, AI and all the disruption that's there, um, uh, what does that do, you know, to businesses like Workday? Yeah. Uh, AI today, yes, the topic of, uh, uh, interest for, for many organizations. Uh, I'd say, uh, with uh, uh, generative AI, to get a lot of conversations around uh, what companies should do with AI. Um, our view today is that uh, ma many organizations in the world are evaluating AI, but only a few have deployed AI at scale. So we're really at the stage where they are ex experimenting, piloting AI, uh, and this is where we are today. But obviously, uh, there is uh, the biggest conversation today is around productivity. So how AI can improve productivity level for HR, for finance in an organization. And we see AI in particular, what we do around deep learning and generative AI as you know, a, huge, a huge, potential, huge potential to help companies improve uh, productivity levels. And this is how they tend to see it for now. But, what, uh, what their biggest concern today is really about, uh, can we trust AI? Yeah. It's really the question, can you trust AI? Can you trust the partner, the vendor you're going to work with to implement AI at scale within an organization? Yeah. So uh, that's why uh, uh, our approach to AI has always been the same. It's a platform approach. So it's one cloud <laughs> where AI is built in. Uh, we apply AI to a, a, a clean, unified, structured data set that makes it possible when we you implement a use case on AI to know exactly the data that are going to be used and, it, and, and our customers, they can audit, inspect it through configuration in the system that, uh, to uh, be able to know how the model works, how the model works, its intention, how it was treated for biases, the entire evaluation can be audited by a customer and they like it because they think it's, it's, it is trustworthy. 
lately the discussion has been generative AI. What you guys are you doing? What, what can I expect from Workday to deliver in terms of innovation? So uh, surprising, one month ago we said we are going to deliver 12 generative AI use cases to our customers at no additional cost. They'll be able to opt in. You know, they, they can activate those use cases uh, at their pace. Yeah. And, uh, and what those, uh, the possibilities that offer these generative AI use cases to go a little bit uh, further than that. But then the question, then back to the trust, is uh, yeah, what are kind of technology you are using? Uh, we don't use uh, ChatGPT. We don't use these internet-based large language models. Yeah. We use uh, what we call enterprise large language models, our own large language models. Yeah. Uh, this is a combination of what we develop ourselves there are some open source LLMs that we combine with it, Bird, Muse, uh, Falcon, a few others. We've been using those LLMs since 2020. Yeah. Our first LLM was built in 2020. Yeah. And uh, our first internal, now we have an internal LLM that is a kind of enterprise-wide LLM that is a 40 billion parameters LLM, so it's got a huge LLM okay, that is already available. But again, because it is our own LLM, it works and this LLM has been specifically designed to work on this clean, unified set of data that we have that our customers can uh, contribute to, but also leverage for their own needs. Uh, it creates trust. So now they see us, they, and because they know that they can deploy these use cases one by one, they tend to adopt. And uh, we have a total of uh, you know, 5,000 HCM customers today nearly 2,000 financial management customers, 3,000 of these customers are using at least one AI use case every day, uh, at least one, okay? This is tell you that this it's, is this is from Workday, yes. Uh, so they, they use, uh, so that means that they are using it at scale. When you think of the 40 plus use cases already available in Workday in production, it's half, half financial on financials and, and, and HR. So it's, uh, it's quite equally distributed, but it's, uh, it covers cases like, uh, you know, uh, uh, managing journal anomalies when for, for an accountant, it's about skills in, uh, in the, the world of HR, being able to curate the data and identify the skills. So it's, uh, it's where we are. Yeah, because when it comes to some of the use cases, uh, I've actually seen that uh, one of the simple ones that uh, Workday has rolled out, I think uh, the ability to generate a CV, I think. Oh, yeah, job description. Yeah, job descriptions. Yeah. Yes. You know, that seems to be, uh, you know, quite an interesting one. Uh, maybe what I'll ask you instead of, you know, just, just a general comment on AI, because, you know, he's actually gone into quite a bit of, uh, you know, detail around the technologies that are being offered by, um, you know, Workday. And it is quite one of the most interesting things to me is how, different companies are creating these use cases, you know, for them, you know, for themselves, because there's that question of how do you, you know, it's great that you have the AI, but like, how do you actually, you know, yeah, yeah, benefit from it and actually roll it out. Somewhat controversial question, but I'll just ask it anyway. Is it necessary for a company to have an AI strategy? Because it really does seem as if a lot of companies um, in the current tech landscape of being judged on, you know, what are you saying about AI? 
Uh, but of course, as Workday, you know, you guys have AI, but I'm talking about the companies that you, that you service. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Is, is it necessary to have an AI strategy? Yeah, that's a very good question. What's, what's the purpose and why should I think about AI? Maybe I do the, um, uh, uh, the chess example again. The, uh, uh, if you look into um, the power of AI today in, in the world, so if you take the, the best, Gasparov, if you take one of the best chess players in the world, um, 100 out of 100 times today, uh, a, a solid AI engine will beat uh, a chess, number one chess player. Uh, and if you put AI to AI, it's going to come down to computer power, basically. But it's going to be a very even game with a lot of draws. Uh, but if you put a, a good chess player next to an AI engine, then you can beat almost every AI engine out there in chess. And what it tells you is that you would like to have the, the human intervention into everything, but you also would like to have a very strong co-pilot next to you if you're going to play chess or play corporate uh, enterprise. Uh, so I think... I do think uh, that every corporation, every company should look at it uh, and agree what is AI mean to me, where should I use it. Uh, we talked a lot about Workday as a supplier, we also have Workday as a company. We looked into AI ourselves, how to use it in our development departments. Every developer have a co-pilot um, to work with uh, in the support cases where we can be able to look into support and serve our customers in a much faster way with uh, AI and ML. Um, and I, I would recommend that conversation to take place in every um, C-suite uh, and also lift it up to the board and, and discuss what is AI going to mean to me as a corporation, how we're going to benefit, but also the ethical use and the trust needs to be center of it. Yeah. Because today, in some centers, you can almost say that um, the technology has run exceptionally fast and we're trying to get the regulatory side to come on par uh, uh, and I think this is where we, we need to, to, to take uh, the higher ground as, uh, as, as, as companies and enterprises. Yeah, because uh, at the time that we, we are having this discussion, it's literally off the heels of all the drama that's going on at uh, OpenAI. But what's important to me about what happened at OpenAI isn't necessarily the boardroom politics, but rather the bigger question of if you have these questions being raised about where are we going with the AI, then at organization level, government level, corporate level, there must be that discussion of how do you engender the trust, exactly. you know, in what these large language models yep. can actually do. You know, if you let one of these models run rampant on your, on your, on your entire company data set, like, you know, can you really trust that this thing, you know, um, will do what it's meant to do? Is it going to go rogue at some point? These are all uh, various questions. But I want to come back to South Africa for a moment yeah. and check on interest, you know, in this market when it comes to, you know, a, the AI conversation. Mm -hmm. First is the technology. Second is the, is it necessary to have an AI, you know, strategy? What's the interest like, you know, from your engagement with the, yeah. uh, you know, with customers, there's a perception sometimes that um, African countries, you know, sort of fall behind certain technological curves. Yeah. Is that is that the case in in this particular conversation? Look, I, I think I think there's a lot of interest, and the weird thing is, as we look at this this magazine with Amazon, we were chatting to Fred about it a few days ago. That uh, the guy that started Amazon EC2, South African, yeah. from Cape Town, yeah. right? 
So I think we we need to be proud as a nation that we have a very strong skill set when it comes to many things, and one of them being technology. So I do feel that you know technology is always going to be growing and has a place to play. Uh, in terms of interest, very high interest. Um, so we're getting a lot of uh, companies asking us, you know, how we're doing things with AI machine learning. Uh, but then we're kind of taking them backwards, to your point, because it needs to be realistic to what we're trying to solve for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Fred, Fred sits on a few boards of a few companies, and he spoke about it before, that it is, all, it is becoming a board-level objective because shareholders and stakeholders are driving mm-hmm. this as well, wanting to know the role of AI for a company. What we feel is it needs to be use-case-based. Yeah. So for a company to talk about AI in their annual report, uh, you can talk about it, but what is the tangible, measurable value in terms of how AI machine learning can enable your business to become more competitive or increase profitability or what else? And I think you need to be able to state the intent and the use cases, and then you can get the value. Mm-hmm. The role that we play is that we have very specific use cases where it's not broad strokes. So we will not go into an organization and say, we believe AI can improve your bottom line by 6%. Uh, however, we can talk about skills cloud and talk about the improvement of skill set and then provide a value in terms of how we can help an organization grow or how they can do financial transactions better. So we're seeing, we're seeing uh, purely based on the fact that there's a hype curve, like when mobility came out years ago. And I remember the stats where we would talk about more people in the African continent have mobile phones and toothbrushes. And then cloud and big data came in the way. And then that was clouded by the fact that companies went and from hosted on-prem to the cloud. Yeah. Uh, so for AI machine learning, I think we're taking a, a view that we want to provide the right counsel with our prospective customers and customers in terms of what does it mean for them in their industry? And then what does it mean for them as a stakeholder in a business? Um, because you, we might just see that some companies might make it a KPI for certain individuals. But then it needs to be very specific and very tangible. Uh, so if we don't feel that there's a, there's a use case that's relevant, mm-hmm. uh, that's specific to organization, we might not be comfortable to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it goes through a very consultative process. Yes. because um, And that's the key thing, because in South Africa in particular, we still have a lot of work to do for automation, mm-hmm. where we have manual processes today. So we need to be able to better automate before we can actually transition to other greater things out there as well. Okay. Um, I like, you know, where, 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 where you've gone, especially, um, the different hype cycles, right? Yeah. Uh, because one of the things we've already addressed whether or not, uh, this is hype or not in asking whether or not companies should have an AI strategy. But I'm going to ask a very technical question. Uh, I think you're the one to answer <laughs> that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From what you can see, obviously, there's a lot of interest in, in AI, like, we, like what we said. As Workday, you have a lot of uh, uh, specific use cases that you guys have deployed into the market. And, you know, companies get to choose which you know, of the different uh, use cases they want to actually make use of. From where you're sitting, are companies, you know, around the world, uh, I guess we can just look at it globally, are companies um, AI ready? And the, the and the question I'm asking is because of what you was talking about, because if you're going to implement an, uh, 
an effective, you know, AI system or strategy, there's a lot of building blocks that you probably need to have in place. Probably some type of cloud infrastructure, probably, you know, optimized data sets, you know, all of those things that need to be in place before you can effectively say, we want to deploy some AI into, into our workflow. So from what you can see, are companies in a, in a state where they are AI ready or are there, you know, some building blocks that still need to be put in place before they can actually take, uh, you know, um, yep. the best use of the technology? Yes. So to question, are they ready? Uh, most of them are not. And for one reason, that is uh, the availability or the non-availability of good quality trustable data and this is because most of companies if you if you look at their landscape the it landscape today the scattered landscape with different systems relying on different stable stack where the data is stored in multiple ways uh, with multiple different structure this is what uh, this is the main inhibitor for companies today to implement ai at scale just because uh, the, the first need to revamp is uh, to, to create that clean and unified data sets um, that any algorithm needs to generate uh, uh, smart and trustable outputs. So this is the main, main struggle. And this is what, uh, this is, what uh, is leading many companies uh, investing in data lakes or uh, in their own data platform to uh, you know, find a way to overcome this obstacle uh, but this is also what uh, drives growth for us, because in the world of HR and things, uh, building these unified clean data sets, uh, it's all about what we've done for, for, for since we, we were born. So it's really why, why today I would say most of them are not ready. And this is where the, the, the main benefit that our customers are seeing today, having invested for weekday for many years, is that they can leverage that unified clean data, data set to consume AI just like they consume electricity for their own needs. You, you, you uh, deliver a new AI use case, they can deploy it, test it, etc. And I'd say the difference I see between, then in terms of readiness is twofold. It's first, ask the business. Do they think they are ready for AI? Yes, we want. And they, when they look at vendors like us, they want vendors like us to provide out of AI out of the box. You know, um, they don't want to invest in their own data scientists, etc. to invent those algorithms. They say, if there is something good uh, in Skills Cloud, you know, I think it's uh, AppSize is going to deploy Skills Cloud. If it's out of the box, if proven, if it can work with a community of, of, of customers to help me understand what value I can, I can get out of it, go for it. But there is another part of the equation that is the, how it is architected. And it's where, for us, it's an immense opportunity to build a stronger relationship with the, C, the CIOs and the office of the CIOs, because with machine learning and AI in general, comes that question, how? Is it trustable? Is it explainable? Is it something that they can deploy at scale? Uh, and this is uh, what the discussion we are having today when we talk about implementing any AI use case and now generative AI use case. We are going into the details of it now. Uh, how? The how matters. So uh, back to the data set, but back also to... Uh, you know, how, how, how does it work? Uh, can, how can I check what data is, are going to be used? Uh, when you process and when we trigger an inference, when you process an inference, uh, a machine learning inference, uh, a generative, uh, you know, when you ask a large language models to create data, etc., how does it work? 
we uh, go into the details of it with the with the, the, the CIOs to let them know how machine, our machine learning platform works, how the data is processed, how the outputs train the model, etc. So we can provide that transparency and they, and they love it. And lastly, you mentioned the policymakers, data privacy, uh, regulatory, IP concerns, big thing. So it's, I'd say it's, it's a cross-functional conversation, business, IT, legal, uh, every part of the business is uh, uh, so, and that's that's where I think it's a journey. But uh, uh, yes, the most the biggest hurdle today is uh, the the lack of uh, good quality data. I agree. Yeah. No, I was just thinking you, you you cover it well. I think you you, you from a, the work to the angle. I think maybe the broader one is if I would give a recommendation to a CIO or a CEO for a company, it would be to put up. You basically have two sets of, um, uh, we talk a lot about enterprise AI working in an enterprise world, which is, in our case, on a, on a safe, secure, ethical data set. Um, I would you recommend any any enterprise leaders to, to make sure that you have the, the governance process and the, the, the policies in place for both how you're using enterprise AI as well as the more open AI side? Because I think, um, yeah, it's going to come back to... Is it safe? Is it secure? And is it ethical? And I think the, the back to my comment on the CIOs, the CIOs that have become in the, this world of cloud software and cloud technology, a broker, you know, we, we, we've talked about the concept for many years now, it's yeah. kind of a hype, but uh, this kind of a, the role they play as a broker of service, they, they need when they provide a service to the business, should it be a cloud software, should it be any, they need to, to um, now have this stamp, you know, uh, and they need to evaluate it, uh, our capabilities. They need to understand how it's architecture so they can validate the solution to the business saying, hey, guy, I think you can go for it uh, and you can deploy something at scale with that solution. So I, I think this is where, for, for us, it's an immense opportunity. Okay, cool. So that's where we end off. Uh, it has been a really great discussion with the team here at, uh, at Workday. And uh, I think a couple of uh, key takeaways, we spoke quite a bit about what has been driving, um, you know, the success of Workday um, around the world and in a country, um, you know, such as uh, such as South Africa. And a lot of it, um, you know, one of it has been the rise in the the acceptance of software as a service, um, you know, or, or, you know, broadly. But then secondly, it's just uh, the value. Uh, that is able to be communicated from a workday point of view just around, um, you know, what can they do, especially for, um, you know, the finance and also the human capital, um, you know, types of functions uh, in a company. We spoke quite a bit about visibility, the fact that uh, workday finds itself in a place where, you know, they are engaging, uh, you know, more strategically with business leaders at the moment and, um, you know, putting out their brand, you know, the billboards in South Africa, Formula One cars, you know, all, all of that is helping to drive uh, a lot of uh, attention. And then, you know, we spoke quite a bit about the technology, um, you know, side of things. I remember a few years ago, I heard that one of the biggest reasons why a lot of applicants for jobs um, get, you know, rejected is simply because the CVs that they, that they you know, submit cannot be ingested by the systems on the other side. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is a small microcosm of, you know, the, the, the landscape of the types of issues that are being, you know, trying to be solved. 
um, you know, at, you know, at scale here. And it speaks to the data point that you were talking about just now. That's just a very small point to say that, um, you know, on the wider, you know, on the wider plane, you know, that just shows us the fact that, you know, as much as the ordinary person just doesn't know what type of CV is appropriate, you know, for some of these systems, a lot of organizations themselves, you know, haven't, you know, quite gotten there when it comes to the type of data that they have and they are creating in their systems. So it has really been a great one. I'm just going to ask if any of you three have anything to, to say in terms of last words, but it has been a really great discussion. No, I think I think thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, I think it's always good to have the opportunity to talk about uh, our plans moving forward. So just just in particular, so the South African business reports into Fred, and uh, Fred obviously heads up uh, Northern Europe and emerging markets. So we're also quite excited because Fred's built a new team uh, with a new go-to-market. So we are quite excited about the future plans for Workday in South Africa and as we grow uh, in emerging markets as well. Oh, first, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, so we talked about ma many different things, but for me, what it validates is uh, uh, the vision and approach we had. SaaS is an excellent example. That's when you uh, SaaS as a service, and that AI is provided as a service too, and this is really something that our customers are looking for. But in, in a journey where you know they need to be able to uh, operate a platform that can can evolve over time, because we know that AI is going to be a journey. It's not going to be a one-off effort. Yeah. So it's, it's what we want to do as well, is work together with that community of customers we have here to make sure that uh, if we develop something, it's, it's going to be uh, relevant and meaningful for the market in which we operate. Yeah, yeah thanks. Thank you so much for, for the time. Uh, really, really enjoyed the conversation. And I think to echo maybe what um, uh, Kev and, um, and Pierre was talking about, I just want to reinforce uh, the message around our commitment to the South African market. I'm very excited about working with South African companies to help them grow, stay competitive in the global market, but also, of course, help the economy in South Africa so we can both see successful companies and with that also create uh, more job opportunities, making sure that we're creating a vibrant ecosystem uh, with, uh, with, with the help of Workday and IT for South Africa. So, very excited. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from us, and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.